Welcome to Something Like It Pops, a list of Palooza, episode 9. I am Matt Scaminini, and as always, I'm joined by Jennifer McHugh. Jen, you ready to do some listing? Always. All right. You can follow Jen on Twitter at EpineQ. That's E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q. You can follow me at B-W-W-M-A-T-T. You can find all episodes of Something Like It Pop, including list of Paloozas and special mini-episodes on BroadwayWorld.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please subscribe so that you can get every episode of Something Like It Pop as soon as it's available, and let us know that we aren't throwing away hours upon hours of our lives creating podcasts that nobody cares about okay jen this has been a long awaited list because of our hiatus um we haven't gotten to this one but it's one that i think this is a a good time for we are recording this the day before labor day so this is kind of the end of the summer movie season so this list is about our favorite top 10 summer movies of all time now jen do you want to explain how you defined summer movies I believe the parameters I gave you were they had to premiere between Labor uh, Memorial Day and Labor Day. Is that correct? Um, I yeah, it, it, I I think it was May through Labor Day or May through September or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, close enough. I, I like that better. Memorial Day through Labor Day. Okay, so it's basically you know the old term blockbuster, but it's really just anything that premiered. You know, whether it's a sleeper hit or it's an indie movie, anything that premiered between May and September. Yeah, and for me, you know I don't do this well. These listings are not me. So I did put a few more, not necessarily parameters on it, but they were just ways I was approaching this. So it wasn't just like me going down my favorite movies of all time and then pulling out the ones that that came in these months. I kind of thought about it as movies. Yes, they fit your, your month and your Memorial Day, Labor Day parameters, but things that had some summer meaning to me, whether that's in the movie itself or because of when it came out, um, it means something to me in terms of summer. So, yes, they all meet your criteria, but they do have a little bit more of summer meaning in how I rank them. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, of course. Okay, so how this will work is I will count down my favorite summer movies 10 through 6. Jen will then reciprocate with her 10 through 6. Then we will go back and forth 5 through 1. And then when we're done, Jen will tell us what our special Listapalooza episode 10 topic will be whenever the hell we get around to it. So, starting with number 10, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the dates just to prove that they meet your criteria. Number 10, premiering on June 12th, 1998, is Dirty Work. Number 9, premiering on June 1st of 2001, is Moulin Rouge. Number 8, from May 2nd, 2008, is Iron Man. Number 7, from August 21st, 1987, is Dirty Dancing. And number six, June 23rd, 1989's Batman. You will notice from that list and as we move forward that a lot of these come from uh, like four of my ten movies come from like either the summer before or after my senior year of high school. And that's where I kind of meant that it had some sort of meaning. Like when I had some freedom, I had a car for the first time, I was able to go see movies on my own. So those scream to me summer movies and they have a a stronger place in my heart than maybe they would have if they just came up either a year earlier or a year later. That's very cute. (laughs) Okay, Jen, what are your 10 through six? I will have, you know, that narrowing this down to 10 was as torturous as you trying to come up with your Emmy predictions on our one episode. (laughs) Um, My 11 through 15, I'm like in tears that they're not in my top 10. So, (sighs) all right. So number 10 
premiering on June 1st, 1978, is the movie Grease. Yeah. Number nine is premiering on May 21st, 1980, which is The Empire Strikes Back. Number eight is premiering June 28th, 2003, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. What? Okay. Number, number seven is Dirty Dancing, premiering August 21st, 1987. And number six premiered June 1st, 1978, a little movie called Animal House. That was one that almost made my list as well. Um, it did not. But it's interesting. We did have one. We did both share Dirty Dancing. So that's kind of interesting to me. All right. Number five for me is one that I can pretty much guarantee is not on your list. <laughs> this is what I've mentioned before. And you marvel at the fact that I like this movie. But again, maybe because it came out on July 31st of 1998, um, just a month before I started my senior year of high school. And that is a a Trey Parker and Matt Stone classic, Basketball, that also co-stars the acting talents of Jenny McCarthy and Carmen Electra and Al Michaels and Bob Costas, amongst other people. And it's a... Did you just say acting talents? <laughs> yeah, that was a, a just slight sarcasm. Uh, but it's a movie that basically lampoons uh, sports culture... And and all that. But it's, again, from Matt and Trey, just super smart while being absolutely ridiculous. And I love that movie. We've talked about some of the lines. Bob Costas and Al Michaels, two of the greatest sports announcers of all time, saying completely embarrassing things. And I love it. And um, if you haven't seen Basketball and you enjoy Matt and Trey's stuff, um, couldn't recommend it higher. I am always surprised at your love for this movie, but who am I to judge? If you if yeah. it makes you happy, be happy. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Because I know you're going to make fun of some of my top five, so I'm trying to be nice. Okay. Anyway, my number five uh, premiered not so long ago, July 13th, 2010, and that is mm. Christopher Nolan's Inception. That was one that I, I thought about as well. Yeah, good. Uh, this was, you know, just one of those movies where it was nothing like you had ever seen before. And I saw it three times in the theater and I just really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really innovative and exciting. And I, any time a movie ends and everyone's like, what the hell? It just makes <laughs> me really happy. So uh, that's my number five. Yeah, very good. Now, Jen, you know that I don't often revisit things. Like you, if you love something, you'll watch it over and over. I am not like that. And, but... You mentioned you saw Inception in the theaters three times. I believe, other than maybe things when I was a kid and my parents would take me multiple times to see something, this is the first movie that I can remember purposely seeing three times in the theater. And that came a year after Basketball, August 6th, 1999. And that is The Sixth Sense. This is one that, like Inception, was a mind blower on so many levels and I, I can't imagine that there's anybody listening to this podcast well I can't believe there's anyone who's listening to this podcast but I can't believe there's anyone who's listening to this podcast that doesn't know the ending so when you finally put it all together that Bruce Willis is dead and you're like holy crap and I kept going back I kept taking friends who hadn't seen it just because I wanted to see their reaction to it and it was such a well-made movie um, and I enjoyed other M. Night Shyamalan movies more than other people did. I enjoyed Unbreakable far more than anyone else. I enjoyed Signs more than anyone else. I enjoyed The Village more than anyone else did. Um, but this is clearly 
his his masterpiece and will forever be uh, just a classic summer movie as far as I'm concerned, even though it doesn't rank as a blockbuster, so to speak. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I've never been in a movie theater with that kind of a reaction at the end with people literally like one by one realizing what was happening. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I, too, would go back to watch people's reactions like you just get giddy waiting for it to happen. It was just great. But I will say that I'm a huge fan of The Village, so I'm really good. glad to hear that you like that movie, too. Yeah, very good. Okay, what do you have for number four? Number four, it's a little cliche. My mm-hmm. Number four and number three are pretty cliche, but no apologies. It is June 11th, 1986, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. And this is kind of um, what you were saying about how it, it plays into your summer memories. And that's what it does for me, because it was back when I was a youngin and my mom was going back to college, she would take me over to college with her and I would go see a movie across the street. And this time I was allowed to take friends. So me and a bunch of my friends um, got to go see this movie. And I live in a town where you have to drive an hour and a half to go see a movie. So it was a big deal. And we just fell in love with this movie. I still watch it whenever it's on. And it's just um, a part of my childhood. Yeah. I hate this movie, but I, I I can understand that a lot of people love it. Um, it's not something that I've ever enjoyed. But like you said, to quote Cheryl Crow, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Okay, this one plays into my number five. And not only was it a less than a year later, came out on June 30th of 1999. But it is still to this day the funniest movie musical in the history of cinema. And that is South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. We've talked about this before and how it is in my top five favorite movies of all time. I have never seen a full episode of the TV show South Park. Yet um, the movie Bigger, Longer, and Uncut is one of my favorite movies. It is so smart. And it was the first time that I really realized that you could make a smart comedy that completely breaks all boundaries with the animation and with the musical. It really changed what I thought of as musical theater and in so many ways what I thought of as comedy. So I will forever beat the drum for South Park, Bigger, Longer, Done Cut. And Jen, I think you like it, but I don't think you have it nearly as high on rankings as I usually do. I need to revisit it because I only saw it once and I didn't not like it, but I feel like I would appreciate it more now. Yeah, I, 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 that that could be that could be true, especially knowing what they've gone on to do in this space uh, as well with uh, with Book of Mormon. But it, I also listened to the soundtrack on repeat that summer, and I probably still have the CD somewhere. So I, the music became so important to me as well. It has some just amazing songs. The music is by is by Mark Shaman from Shaman and Whitman with him Hairspray and the upcoming. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, but Matt and Trey also wrote lyrics as well. So it's just a great soundtrack as well. And so I would highly, highly recommend that um, if you don't know those songs. But I was always a big What Would Brian Boitano Do fan. So that one was always one of my favorites. So for me, number three is South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Yeah, I'm going to have to revisit that one. Okay. All right. What do you have for number three, Jen? Another cliche, but you know that's one of my favorite movies. So... um it's no big surprise, but July 3rd, 1985, Back to the Future. I still, again, I'm repeating myself, but I watch it whenever it's on. And I still have anxiety that he's not going to make it. So uh, I just think it was, I, what, what do I say about Back to the Future? It just uh. catapulted Michael J. Fox into superstardom. And 
Christopher. Boyd. I was gonna say I was gonna say guest, and I knew that was wrong. Christopher Lloyd. You know, um, everyone has seen this movie. People either love it or don't care about it. But I don't know anybody who flat out hates it. Do you? No, not at all. I, and I don't. And if they do, I don't want to know them. Correct, and it's just a beloved part of Americana that I adore. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it. My number two goes completely against what I said earlier about these things playing a part of of my time around high school. This movie comes from September 1st, 1954, before either of my parents were born. And that is Rear Window. This is an Alfred Hitchcock movie that starred um, the late Grace Kelly, as well as Jimmy Stewart. And it is just the epitome of of a Hitchcock whodunit. It is so unique that it's basically Jimmy Stewart's character is a photographer. He breaks his leg photographing an auto race and he is confined to a wheelchair. He has nothing to keep him occupied in this hot summer than looking out his apartment window with other than his long lens camera. And he sees what he thinks is a murder take place. And it's about him trying to, to get someone else to help him investigate and to solve it. His girlfriend is played by by Princess Grace, and it is just a great movie, and this is one of my favorites, and I love this movie. I, this is one that I do watch fairly regularly every few years. Um, there was a terrible Shia LaBeouf. Ugh, um, Johnny, it's not even worth mentioning. Okay, so I won't mention Disturbia. There was also <laughs> a Christopher Reeve um, remake of it as, as well, which I did not see, although I would be much less inclined to hate that one than the Shia LaBeouf version. So um, Rear Window, and another cool thing is, I don't know that they still have it, but at one point here at, at Universal in Orlando, they had the apartment that he looked at there, the model, so you could actually look into the windows of the houses, and it was fascinating for me and it, and it was a you know something since i love the movie that i i will always remember um so rear window from alfred hitchcock from 1954 i think at some point we're gonna have to do a, a hitchcock centric discussion because i'm a huge hitchcock fan and um even though this isn't on my list it's it's definitely in my top five but we also would be remiss to not mention the incomparable raymond burr yes as the as, so-called villain. yes as the potential potential villain as well yes but that's a great choice. Way to go way back. Yeah, I do what I can. All right. What do you have for number two? <laughs> um, <laughs> June 29th, 1979. Uh, there's a little film called Meatballs. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, I'm a Bill Murray freak. This is, without a doubt, my favorite Bill Murray performance. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love this movie so, so much. It's just about horny teenagers who are counselors for young kids. And it's an 80s movie, so the kids swear like normal kids do. And I I love this movie so much. My brothers took me to see it in the theater when I was maybe five because they're terrible babysitters. And um, it's just it still remains one of my favorite movies of all time. There is nothing to me better than Bill Murray's motivation speech to the camp at the end of the movie where he's basically telling them we're losers. We're always going to be losers, but it just doesn't matter. And it, for some reason motivates them and it just makes me laugh really hard. I I did not see this coming. I know. That's like saying, that's like (laughs) saying Porky's is my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Another movie my brothers took me to see. Shh. I have some childhood issues. Yeah, this explains anyway, so much, Jen. Explains so much. Uh, hey, can we try and guess our number one? Okay, yeah. Do you want to guess my number one? My guess would be Ghostbusters. That would be so far from correct. It's it's okay. it's silly. I'm going to go with uh, the, the original Star Wars for you. Okay, I'll take that silence as as a hint. <laughs> Sorry. I was on mute. Um, also, so far oh, from correct. Okay, I, I thought maybe the silence was because I got it right. Okay, well, <laughs> number one for me is a movie that, while it did not come out while I was in that zone of of late high school going into college, I saw it as part of a college class, and I've mentioned it before. And it's a movie that came out on July 21st, 1989. And it's a movie that so encapsulates the oppressive heat of summer um, that that stuck with me a oh, lot. Crap, I should have guessed Yeah, this. I've mentioned it before. And that is Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Um, this is a movie that I think is brilliant on every, every level. The direction, the story, the acting, uh, mentioning in our um, episode that you're going to hear later this week um, with John Turturro talking about the night of John Turturro, one of the stars of this movie. It is just a moving and powerful movie to this day and it sucks that this movie is coming up on 30 years old and we still deal with the same racial problems today that we did then now maybe not to the same level or same degree and in the same way but the issues that spike lee was talking about and do the right thing are still unfortunately a major part of our news cycle on a daily basis especially in this election period um, and, and with Black Lives Matter and all those different things. So it's, I think it's an important movie that is made even more important now than it ever was before. So I love Do the Right Thing. So that is why it is my number one summer movie of all time. And I honestly should have guessed that because you talk about it all the time. Yeah. And I and I was going to say that it sucks that it's still so yeah. relevant, but it is. Um, that was definitely Spike Lee's moment, if only for casting Ozzie Davis oh. and Ruby D. Oh, the... It's, it's such a brilliant movie. I can't recommend watching it now because, unfortunately, it's very, very relevant. It's going to make you angry and, and sad. Yeah, and Danny Aiello's in it as well. I mean, it's just such a great mm-hmm. cast. It's great. And, it's just great. And Rosie, Rosie Perez is so good. Was yeah. that racist for me to say it like that? Maybe it was. A little. But maybe but, I need to watch yeah. the movie again. But I just love Rosie <laughs> Perez as well. So, so yeah, do the right thing. Can't argue with that. All right. So what is number one for you, Jen? Well, I'm ashamed that I didn't guess your number one, but I think you should be a little uh, ashamed of yourself that you didn't guess this one, too, because it's literally mocking my number two. And that from July 27th, 2002, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I don't feel ashamed because I would not have guessed that would have been your number one. But it Wet Hot American Summer is basically meatballs 22 years later or something. (laughs) It is. It is. I'm madly in love with this film. It was filmed in my hometown in Pennsylvania at a camp that I used to drive by every oh, wow. day. And uh, I was a huge fan of the state in the 90s, the, the <laughs> sketch group that makes up this, basically this cast of this movie. I want to dip my and, balls in it. Oh, it's just so great. That's, it's such a, that's the only thing I remember. Lost. That's the only thing I remember from the state was that sketch. Oh, you should, you should look up the state. It, it, they were a great sketch comedy group. Um, but yeah, this is basically mocking meatballs and all summer camp movies from the eighties. And it's, it just makes me laugh all the time. And if, if anything, it made me realize, um, what a brilliant comedic actor 
Christopher Maloney is. Oh, yeah. I mean, up until this point, I had known him from um, SVU and from Oz, where he played a psychopath. And he is insane in this movie. Um, Obviously, they just did the prequel on Netflix, which I adored and and wrote reviews about. So that is my number one of all time, summer movie. I I would not have guessed that, but it makes sense. It definitely, definitely makes sense. So... Yeah. All right. Well, good for you. Uh, I I think we gave very specific lists, but very diverse lists as well. So I think uh, I think that was a win for us. Did we only intersect on Dirty Dancing, which that's odd. It is very odd. It is very (laughs) odd. But I think that has to do with the specificity of these lists. I think when you you know, one of the things we've talked about with these lists is that as they get more specific, they become harder, which is terrifying for me because they're hard to begin with. But I think the more specific they get the more personal they become. And I think something like this, where I threw in movies that have no business being in any top 10 list, like Dirty Work. Have you seen, you've seen that movie, right? No, I don't even know what that is. I meant to mention oh, that. Dirty Work, co-stars <laughs> uh, Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang. That's all you need to know. It's a terrible movie, but I love that movie. You know, the fact that that's in my list, that's just because it's a personal thing. So I think the more specific we get, the more personal we get. And, the, you know, we go away from greatest movies of all time where of course we're gonna have overlaps um but i think with things like this we'll, we'll get to see a little different color and a little different um a little different perspective so i enjoyed that well okay all right so jen this next list is an important list this is our official 10th list of palooza episode we've done some previous lists um at the end of our first season before we got on itunes and all that stuff but this is our official 10th List of Palooza episode coming up, so I hope that you have a topic that is uh, as important to to justify that. Uh, it was hard. It's getting harder to come up with topics, but I have three, so I can either um, pick one or I can list all three, and you can pick one. I no, this is your deal. This is yours. You pick one that oh. you think is a, think is is worthy of a top ten or of our of our tenth episode. All right, then you're going to get really mad at me. But our next list will be our favorite moments from the 2015-2016 television season, which would encompass last August through this August. Dude, I might as well just not do this list. (laughs) I gave you the choice of picking. I know. No, that's, that's fine, because I always talk about I remember moments rather than lines. I remember you know, performances. I can, I can do this. It's hard. Um, but I think I can do this. Okay, cool. So basically anything that aired from what were the dates again? August, 2015 to August, 2016. And it doesn't have to be on TV shows. It can be, uh, or I mean like on, um, scripted comedies. It can be on sketch comedies. It can be on talk shows, whatever. So anything on television or the equivalent streamings, uh, that aired from August to August. Correct. Okay. Son of a bitch. Okay, I can do that. How are you defining moments? Um, whether it was momentous to you, like an emotional uh, heart heart tug, or if it made you laugh really hard, or if you think in television that was a big moment in history. Okay, so just when you're saying just like little like parts of scenes is what you're defining a moment as. Correct. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I think we can do this. All right. All right. Well, 
Thanks for listening to Some Like It Pops List of Palooza Episode 9. You can find all of our episodes on broadwayworld.com, and you can get new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SLIP Podcast. You can follow Jen at Ebony Q, and you can find me at BWW Matt. We will be back in two days from when this episode drops with our TV review of the summer and preview of the fall. And then we will also have an Emmy predictions episode when the Emmys get closer on September 18th. So make sure you are subscribed so that you get all of this fresh pop culture goodness as soon as it's available. And until then, we'll see you around the Broadway world. That was a freaking marathon day, huh? Well, hold on. Now I'm pulling up the dates because you made me look bad. I was always a big What Would Brian Boitano fan too.